0: good morning herb Oscar Anderson herb go, go,
1: go. Welcome back to the return of the morning mayor and as always thank you for spending the time with us because we're having a lot of fun telling the story of HOA herb Oscar Anderson. Today we have an extremely important and fun and amazing podcast. Colossal, if you will, because Carla, it's your brother.
0: I'm really excited to talk to my brother about my father. Uh, John was on Dynasty and Colby's for many years and was a heartthrob, a uh, Yes. Was he in the magazines? I can attest. I was a fan. Yes, he was in all the magazines. In fact, they had one magazine article that said that John jumped into a pool to save somebody who was drowning at the bottom of the pool. Was it true? Well, my mom was quite concerned, and she called and said, John, John, is this true? And John said, what? No, it was not true. So we could say fake news. (laughs) Tabloids. Yes.
1: What was it like seeing your brother's face on a tabloid? At the grocery store. What was that like?
0: Well, it was sort of strange because uh, we lived in uh, Hoosick Falls, and in a small town, everybody knew who you were. So they sort of knew that I was John James's sister, so that sort of was uh, unusual. Uh, we had people driving up in our driveway looking for my brother. Uh, it, was, it was fun, except the day when I got married over in Spain where there was...
1: Uh, Paparazzi. Paparazzi. Oh.
0: Paparazzi. I think every town uh, showed up at my wedding. I couldn't even get into the church. So in that respect, and I think my brother, he always said he felt a little guilty about that happening. But well, they
2: were just lined up outside. They, they were in coming. the church. They were in <clears throat>
0: back of the altar. They were hanging from the rafters. They were everywhere. And uh,
1: hoping that they would see him there.
0: Well, he was there because he was, he was there. Yeah, and, and my brother. Uh, had to be the decoy. He had to go out one way when the service was over. And my other brother, uh, John, went out the back. But there's a picture of him in like Ola magazine, uh, where my brothers were pointing and looking quite angry because somebody had was videotaping my wedding. <laughs> and and <laughs> I was looking like a deer in the headlights. I was like, who are these people? What's happening? and my brothers were like uh no no this is not going to happen. So there was a lot of fun in it. Um of course we were so proud of him and he did so so great and uh Did you
1: watch every week?
0: Of course we did. It was like everything shut down.
1: Did you know what was going to be on the episode? Did um, you ever did he tell you guys what was going to be happening before you saw it?
0: Sometimes, sometimes, but like he and my dad would call and talk to each other once or twice a day. So uh, I think my dad probably knew more, but no, you know, we just all had to stop, watch, and uh, that was it.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Well, without further ado, Mr. John James.
0: Welcome back to the Return of the Morning Mayor, and I'm very proud to introduce John James, from Dynasty and Colby's fame. And also he was Herb Oscar Anderson's son and my big brother. Welcome. That's a whole lot of things.
3: Thank you, thank you. I'm still here, I, you said I was, I'm still, (laughs) still here. Okay, I understand. Uh, (laughs) If if your audience is wondering how you introduce your brother who's the son of Herb Oscar Anderson as John James, we need to explain to them how that came about. Okay. When I started out as an actor, Screen Actors Guild, it's changed now. And also after, which is the American Federation of Radio and Television Artists, would not allow actors to have the same name.
0: Okay.
3: The reason being is because of billing. If you happen to be in the same show, if you happen to be... Uh, in the same theater project, the billing would be uh, John Anderson and John Anderson, if yeah. <laughs> starring in, if there were two people with the same name. Okay. And how I got John James is, as you know, dad moved to New Canaan, Connecticut, which was, uh, uh, I think the reason he moved there was because it uh, was a rural sort of feeling close to New York, where he could get his feet in the ground, so to speak, and get his bulldozers and tractors and dump trucks. Kind of a Mr. Blanding, the Cary Grant film, builds his dream home. Yes, very much and so. And he was building his last, uh, second to last of four homes he built in New Canaan. And he met a fellow by the name of Archie Stewart from Ireland who came here with not a dime in his pocket, and i went to work for archie during the summer and he was a mason and i built stone walls and i built concrete (laughs) foundations. and uh, he used to say uh, (laughs) when we take a break and have a tea he'd say working men they never sit down so we would stand during our break (laughs) but he was a great guy and he made a fortune building homes coming from nothing and he used to call me johnny james and after i applied the union. I thought, that's kind of an interesting name, Johnny James. So that's how I came to be known as Johnny or John James.
0: I remember you had a couple of names before that. You were John Anders.
3: That's right. I dropped very creatively the O and the N from Anderson. And I yeah. looked at it and I thought, that's about the worst looking thing I've ever seen.
0: <laughs> but John <laughs> James, I mean, that's a perfect, perfect name. Short, sweet, precise, easy to remember. Yeah. So the name has served you very well, very well, yeah. indeed. Um, I, I, I'm just really want to know about your relationship with dad when he was on the radio. Uh, I, I mean, I was a lot younger when, um, I mean, I'm not that much younger than you, but still, uh, yeah. you have different stories of growing up with dad. And I've always liked the the story that you told about the Beatles band.
3: Well, before, you know, listen, I, I, I'm, Two of my probably most vivid memories of growing up in New Canaan uh, were summer days. And I remember uh, being in the car. um, It wasn't mom's was driving because she didn't get her license till later on. But listening to Tom Jones, what's up, pussycat? Uh, It was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool thing for a kid and my dad on the radio. It was about the coolest thing. And then, of course, WABC was pivotal with the introduction of The Beatles. They made A Hard Day's Night, which is a a very good film about the bringing of the introduction of The Beatles to the United States and WABC had a very big part of that. It was all planned and they met with um, Bernie Epstein, not Bernie Epstein, I think that was his name, the Beatles manager and um, about bringing the Beatles here. And of course the Beatles became a huge smash. And I remember everybody was a Beatle maniac at the time. And I I guess I was probably, I don't know, maybe nine, eight or nine old enough to think that I could form a rock band. (laughs) And I had four or three or four friends at the time at the house and they said, what are we going to call our band? And I said, We're going to call ourselves the Beatles. And a friend of mine looked at it and said, You can't do that. There's already a group called the Beatles. And I said, Don't worry about it. My dad's Herb Oscar Anderson. He could make it worse. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> it's marketing. It's marketing. It's fine.
0: No? Well, I just remember the Beatles. Yeah, I was in love with Paul. That was my my boyfriend. And I remember um, in my room at, at um, Ponis playing uh, a 45 of. One of the songs, and I just remember all of us girls had to figure out whose who was going to be whose girlfriend, and mine was Paul. Don't that was my man, Paul. So yeah, yeah, it was it was an exciting exciting time. But then at the same time too, I know sometimes Dad sort of had some negative thing happen to him, and it was affected us all really as kids growing up um, about Rennie. And well, that was an odd thing. Yeah, yeah. that was
3: during the. iats Iatsi strike which were the engineers and they went on strike i don't remember the year but dad and the rest of the disc jockeys were kind of put into a a no-win situation where management said that if you don't show up and you honor the picket line you'll be fired and um the union said you cross the picket line and you're a scab and uh so Dad made the choice, along with the other DJs, that they had to had to show up for work. And I remember Dad had a uh, had a driver with a specially equipped car, and I remember him telling me about that that it could go a zillion miles an hour and uh, kind of an undercover car. And uh, he said it was pretty pretty awful. It was a real bad thing to have to cross. Did they have to sneak
2: in? Like how, how did how did they get in? Did they have to?
3: They, they had to just they had police there and they went into the underground parking and then were escorted up to the studio. but it was a, it was a difficult difficult time for Dad and um,
0: but John, let to, me just was that where Dad had like this bodyguard that would yeah. take him in this huge guy up yeah, yeah and drop him off him every up. day. And this lasted
3: for weeks and uh, then I remember um, uh, during that period that uh, we had a dog, a German shepherd by the name of Rinnie obviously Rin Tin Tin, and um, yeah, he for some reason ended up dead at the end of our driveway. We had a long driveway. You couldn't see the house from the road, Mm. and um, I don't know if it's a coincidence or not, but it just so happened that it was during that period of strife, during that strike. so it was a difficult thing for dad, but uh, like anything, we get through it.
0: Yeah, well, you know, dad would go to work if his, (laughs) you know, head was blown off, he never missed a day of work. He would go in, be sick, go on the air. He
3: well, kept... he he yeah he ne- maybe never missed a day, but he certainly was had a trouble getting there yeah. on time. Yeah. And uh, as you know, Murray Barber, who was a close family friend and yeah. dad's producer for years, um, <laughs> Murray uh, would know Dad would never show up at six o'clock or even five fifty-five in the morning. He'd show up generally at around ten after. And Murray would uh, set up the program where they'd have 10 minutes. They'd have the news, commercials, song, blah, 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 (laughs) until dad finally arrived. But uh, yeah, he, I remember one time he told me that he was racing down the West Side Highway and he was late, of course. He got pulled over by a policeman for speeding and uh, he opened the window and he said, I'm late, I'm Herb Oscar Anderson, and I got to get to the station. And the guy said, "Oh my God, HOA. Go ahead. See you later. Have a good that's show."
0: Yeah, I, I also remember too. Dad just sort of pulled his car up and parked it anywhere. Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> you I, know, they had, it was like that's herbs. That's herbs. Yeah, he just, Don't touch no it. No
3: parking. No parking zone in, in Manhattan. He would just leave the car out there.
1: So was he? Uh, did he get his vehicles through the advertising? Like, did they ever give him a car? Well,
3: yes and no. Um, you know he had big sponsors like ford and dodge are the two i remember the most but what was so great john was that um the 1965 world's fair they un- uh, unveiled the ford mustang and uh, one of uh, great memory that i have was dad was given a car to test drive for the summer and um It was a Ford Mustang red Fastback. Oh, wow. And I remember sitting in the back of this car, looking at the side vents in the rear seat, these kind of triangle side lights and the red interior. So dad got to drive all this stuff. And then he had a Plymouth Daytona, which was about 42 feet long with a... (laughs) With an airfoil on the back that could barely fit in the garage. Oh wow! My mother (laughs) would take that. Would take that to the grocery market
0: or to church. Remember, we had to go to church, and she had this this green. green. Yeah,
1: the airfoil, like like (laughs) yeah, the
0: the big airfoils with a with a
1: a thing on the back of the car. Yeah, it was.
3: Yes, it was. It was, it was not front end. It was
1: huge. It was not inconspicuous, is what you're saying. Yeah. And lime no. green? Probably, lime green.
0: And mom so probably funny. just got her license. And I remember everybody in church with this, <laughs> this big car with this big engine sound. All you're oh missing, it, it, all you're
1: missing is a cigar in your dad's mouth as he pulls up. Yeah. How are we doing out there?
0: <laughs> no, it my was mom awesome drove
1: car
3: it.
0: <laughs> my mom that's what was so funny did they give it to him is that where no, no,
3: he, no just test drove it. it no they couldn't give it to him but they certainly it, uh, they were smart enough to know that when dad would do a, a, a ford or a plymouth commercial that he would maybe uh give it a little bit more oomph in yeah. yeah. his Re read
2: if he had the
0: experience
3: he experienced the product right and, you know that's they did that then there was no harm in it
0: john i'm having a flashback did dad have a pacer car
3: Oh, he had a, he did. Well, no, he, he, yeah, he did. He had an AMX pacer for a while, which I loved. And, um, that was an American motors version of a Camaro or a Mustang, but that was up in Brainerd when oh. he lived there. And I don't know.
0: Oh, that's right. When he worked done, with the racetrack, it. when he was Correct. exiled from New York, he, we went to Minnesota for a year and he loved Donnybrook. And I remember every weekend we had to go to the racetrack. Yep. Okay, but what was the yellow? Was that a Camaro? The yellow car. Oh my
3: gosh, that's right. No, I don't remember the yellow car. No, I he, I thought he might have. I don't think he had any GM products. I think it was Ford in Plymouth.
0: I just remember a yellow car in that beautiful, beautiful pea green soup pea green painted garage. Because Dad, we always said loved rock and dirt, and he got barrels of this paint that we painted the garage with this pea green soup paint that never seemed to dry. Every time you walked on it, it seemed like your feet stuck painted the floor. Yeah. And then we painted the pool. And I remember in with white paint in that pool that my eyes, it was like toxic sludge, this paint. I don't know where he got it from. (laughs) Did you guys paint the pool?
3: Yes, and we almost died doing it. Dad would buy it in 50-gallon drums for about $4 because it was a highly toxic, probably going off the market within days.
0: Yeah. I just remember swimming and my eyes were <laughs> burning no. and you could smell it.
3: Oh,
1: that's not good.
0: No, it's not good. But, but you're it, doing
1: okay right now, right?
0: Well, so far, but yeah. it, it was in Rock and Dirt and Rock and Dirt was actually... Oh, that was a magazine. That was the magazine that Dad read day in and day out. But yeah, Dad was funny that way. Did we, he
1: do any reads for them?
0: Rock and dirt? I don't think so. Did he, John? No. No.
3: No, No, it was a, a uh, again, as I, when we opened the show today, I said the dad's reasoning for moving to New Canaan, although it was really not a farm community or anything like that. If anything, it's New Canaan was where they uh, made the original Stepford Wives, the movie, and then they made another one years later. But uh, it was primarily bankers and Wall Street and titans of industry but not many you know showbiz people well but dad uh, liked it because it had you know the four or five acre pieces of property so he could have his tractors and things like that but okay. he loved tractors he just loved tractors and I think part of the reason after well I know the reason after he left uh, ABC to go collect himself and get out of New York because he didn't like the way, obviously, the country was going and all the troubles and the music and everything like that. And he bought uh, 3,000 acres, and I think he paid a dollar an acre, believe it or not. And I used to go with him to these tractor dealers, and he would buy these massive, massive bulldozers. Massive.
0: But this was up up, a uh, dollar an up acre in Minnesota, up in, up in Minnesota, Brainerd, Minnesota, Minnesota, where nobody would want to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure, it, but at that time, it was. Um, yeah. Pretty well, remember,
3: <laughs> yeah, it was. It was the kind of place that it was forty below once. I remember very, yeah. and we walked to school.
0: Yeah,
3: and uh, I didn't like wearing galoshes or boots, of course, because I think I was in seventh grade, and uh, Dad was so mad at me. He said, "You put those boots on now. You put those damn boots on," and they were rubber, kind of like <laughs> rain boots.
0: Yeah, and I know the ones. He the was pulling them up.
3: Yeah. And he kept pulling them. And I said, Dad, they're not fitting. He said, of course, they fit. They're your size. He you just got these boots. And the rubber was almost coming up to my knee now because he was pulling <laughs> oh, it so hard. God. And finally, he gave up and he looked down into the boot and there were another pair of shoes in there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just, so just so they'd fit. Well, <laughs> so your feet would stay. Do you mean like they fell off? Oh, no, there off were shoes in, in there.
0: He, he probably didn't he didn't realize. But a, this is a classic of my dad. You know, my mm-hmm. dad was always didn't want to upset anybody, didn't want to make a scene. So we're driving to Minnesota and we're staying in a in a um you know a motel or whatever. So we go into the room and Dad came into the out to the car and came back and all right, which one of you kids is tracking in all this tar? Do you remember, John? Yep. All <laughs> you know, this tar. Who in has all this tar? You've tracked it in on the carpet all the way from the carp. Who is it? And we're like, "Dad, it's not a-. and well, it was my dad. My dad had stepped in a big pile of I don't know, the toxic goo probably from rock and dirt and had tracked it all oh, no. the way. In but John, yep. I'm going right to... into
3: our room. I think my favorite story about that. <laughs> Please
0: is, tell him. Is it is it what I think it is? Uh-huh, is it about yeah. the motorhome? So we
3: were in Minnesota, and in uh, at the time, uh, motorhomes were coming into existence, and there was a place called Rodemaker RV Sales and Rentals, and um, Dad went out and rented a Winnebago. Of course, back then they had no air conditioning and
0: backbreakers. And remember like that. The- Seat.
3: So we took off from Minnesota, and uh, we were going to go to the uh, national parks, Glacier and Yellowstone and what have you, for a week. A week, really? <laughs> yeah, and um, so we, we took off, and on our first night, I'm in the bathroom. i am brushing my teeth, and I said, hey, Dad, look at this. Blue stuff is coming up out of the drain in the shower. <laughs> he said, those son of a guns, they never drained the damn holding tanks so we're parked in a campground <laughs> and it's dark it's about 8 30 9 o'clock at night and we're tired we've been driving all day
1: he threw the switch didn't he he just emptied
3: and it he right came out he said all right john we're just gonna let a little out so we can brush our teeth and then we'll go to the dump station tomorrow morning <sighs> at which point he turns the knob pulls the thing and out comes 60 gallons of gray water gray water <laughs> no, no not, not gray, gray water gray water. It was, black water. Just, no, it was black water and it, it had been
0: nest. fermenting oh. fermenting oh, no. it no. shot out like a fire hose
3: now dad had no idea how to shut it off oh. so he put his hand over it and it was like putting your finger over a hose and oh. spraying everywhere oh, no. all over me and him and eventually about 60 gallons of this stuff started making its way downhill to a group of tents. Oh, that's get the hell in the damn RV.
0: Oh my dad, this is like the worst.
3: He pulls out the electric, pulls up the you know, all the other things and we take off away. through the campground at night in a 28-foot motorhome with, with n- the lights off.
0: Oh, no lights on. Get down. Everybody get can. down. <laughs>
3: Dad didn't want going to notice you in plate. Yeah.
1: Cousin and Eddie of course, did a better job.
3: <laughs> of course, as we take off, uh, on the back of the motorhome is this giant sign <laughs> Rodemaker Marine <laughs> RV sales and rental. And we took off, we pulled into a guest, into a truck stop. We parked, we cleaned up. And um, that night, uh, a hog truck full of hogs. <laughs> pulled in right next to us to spend the night as well. So we listened to hogs and smoked hog food. So you
2: that guys was our first night. Worse than the hog truck. But
0: John, also, didn't something That's burn great. up? Wasn't it like the something oh, was burning our, up? Yes,
3: dad was so nervous that he had the windshield wipers on and he burned up the windshield wipers. <laughs> so we had no windshield wipers for the rest of the trip. Um, and then we went to Yellowstone and we all got, I guess you could say, narovirus. We all, all of us. Had uh, a terrible, terrible.
0: Oh. Well, they it didn't. Wasn't a bug. They we didn't clean the kind of water. Infection. They didn't clean the water tank either. Was so,
1: horrible. yeah. So, so it, you drank this like poisoned water, and right. you were also. It's <laughs> in... You guys. <laughs> oh, so boy.
3: you know, Dad's. I could see that Dad's. After clearing a hundred acres for really no reason, um, his his uh, uh, he was kind of getting an itch to get back into show business and uh we only spent i think one year in minnesota do you remember dad
0: sitting downstairs in the basement playing his album over and over and over and i just i just i was like my what's wrong with my dad i just felt so bad i was like he's down there he's so upset and i just remember time will take you away and it was over and over and i was like oh my lord yeah that was
2: hard for him was he not depressed, but he wanted to be back at work, you think? I he think kept he did. It, just... I,
0: well, I think, you know, what is he going to do? I mean, he's been on the air. How old, and... how old was he at that time? I don't know, John. What was that? was 1969.
3: He so... was in his late 40s, I'd say. Mm. that is was young. Yeah. Mid to late 40s. Yeah. Yeah. 29. Yeah. Mid to late 40s.
1: Still had still had plenty of tread left on his radio tires, though.
3: Oh, well, gosh. Yeah. 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 Oh, gosh. Yeah so he, so,
2: where did he go after that because i get confused on the timeline he came uh, after W-R. that he,
3: after that he we moved back to connecticut
2: and and what was new canaan what was
0: the what was uh i'm gonna see if you remember what did they call new canaan
3: new conan on the new Haven.
0: but what else i don't know the next station to
2: heaven
3: oh god don't you remember I mean, that
2: and what did that mean?
0: Well, it was a huge commuter town, like John said. It was all these people who were in banking and Wall Street. It was far enough. I think it was the last. I think in Stamford, didn't in Stamford, Connecticut? No, no. Had-
3: it was the only little town that had a dedicated line that ran wow. all the way.
0: It went all the way. It to was New off York. the main
3: line, and it ended in New Canaan. So the morning train would be waiting there for you.
0: Right. Right, so, so that's easy w- commute. Yeah. Well, what well, was what was the commute an hour? Uh, forty minutes by so, train. Okay. Yeah. So that's what it was called. It was called the next station to heaven because, like John said, it ended there. Mm-hmm. Everybody then would everyone commute. Everyone was in the country, right. so to speak. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was a beautiful town when we moved there. It's completely changed now. But when we lived there, it was, it was, just the perfect little New England town, quaint little yeah. town. It was great, and uh, yeah. It, we had a great time living there, but then we went to Minnesota, which was, you know, that was sort of funny. But
3: well, he we moved back to Connecticut and um, he got uh, a job on WHN and he negotiated a contract where he wouldn't have to drive anymore. He had a driver, and we had a uh, beautiful home uh, on the New York State border with a uh, farmhouse and a barn, and uh, he had a driver who lived in the in the uh, farmhouse. So that had a pretty good I think two or three years at WHN. I think the only thing is is that country music at the time certainly isn't what it is today. And uh, it was a small market in New York when um, in the 70s everything was disco. And it, it was just, uh, you know, he tried his best at WHN but he never got the numbers he did at ABC and a lot of that is, was due to the fact that country was just right coming into its own, so to speak, well, and uh, becoming more of a national.
0: Then he went to WR,
3: or then did... he went to WOR. Yeah, what,
0: that's was, what, W-O-R- what was WOR? WR was more of
3: a talk show kind okay. of a deal. He oh. was on in the afternoon,
0: he would have loved that.
3: And uh, yeah, it was right near Times Square, it was the, one of the oldest stations in New York and very prestigious. And I think he did that for about two or three years as well.
2: Yeah, And and then did he re- retire? I mean, I know what he's saying and did things after. What, what would be his official, reti- when did he retire from radio?
3: I don't think he ever retired. He always talked about it. I mean, he went back on the air down in Florida, you know, doing his weekly show, but um, yeah, dad had a love hate relationship with the business. I mean, he, he loved it and um, he loved show business and, um, You know, he carried a mic around with him, I think, all the time. And if uh, I I actually got him going um, with the karaoke machine when I was on Dynasty. Every year I'd get presents and stuff like that after another season or Christmas or my birthday. And they gave me a karaoke machine, which was new at the time. And um, I didn't want it. So I gave it to Dad. And I said, Dad, check this thing out. You can get these. uh, these uh, cassettes, and you can put them in there, and you can sing along with it. Well, that evolved into his own show with a fellow by the name of Dick Enslin, who was also from New Canaan, and he was a Broadway actor. Been in a million Broadway shows. uh, Never really in the starring roles, but a lot of supporting roles. And they did a karaoke show down in Florida, and they play country clubs, and they play nursing homes, and that eventually evolved into playing cruise lines and my gosh, I don't know how many cruises he did, Uh, two week cruises, three week cruises, one after another, after another. He loved it. He loved it. He loved it. And uh, so let me ask you, you,
0: John, I want to ask you a personal question, how you feel about it. Do you think dad uh, got into radio? He obviously he loved radio, but do you think dad really was a frustrated singer um, oh, more think, so yeah. than anything, that if he could have had a career as a sing, as a singer, I think that's the way and an entertainer. Because you look at the shows that he did in nineteen, I think fifty seven or fifty eight for ABC, light and lively. I mean, it was pretty much the show that was my father. I mean, it was big band. He was MC. There were singers. He would sing. It would just seem like that was perfect for him, and um, I think radio was great. But I don't think he had that interaction with his audience that he really wanted to have. Well,
3: it's like I've always said, uh, my favorite thing has always been doing live stage work, which I've done enough, not a great deal, but certainly quite a bit over the years. And for an actor, that's my, you know, I, I feel sorry for actors who've never had the opportunity to work in front of an audience because that's what you really enjoy And I think uh, television is the same thing. I mean, you're stuffed into a studio uh, five days a week from before the sun comes up until after the sun goes down. And you're with your fellow actors and a camera in front of you and the crew. And that's it. And you don't have that interaction that performers have. Right, you, and, it, right.
2: you I mean, don't get any Dad's gratification. Story. You don't get the feedback, right? So it's yeah. it's probably similar. It's no immediate feedback, but then yeah. you
3: go out into the public, and they say, "Oh my gosh, I love that show!" Yeah, and I think that's the same thing with Dad. And to a certain extent, unless you heard Dad's voice, you wouldn't know who he was. I mean, yeah. it was different for me because they would recognize me.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I but, always uh, I said that. I said, you know, Dad was like a man incognito. Yeah, he, unless
3: he opened his voice and you happened to listen to that, yeah. you wouldn't know who he was. So I think he found that frustrating and he loved working in front of an audience. But again, you do what you do. And he started in radio and he worked his singing into it. Mm-hmm. And he had his, you know, recorded. I was just, I live down here outside of Nashville now. I was just in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. And dad recorded at a very famous studio. He did his superb album there. Which, funny enough, the cover of it is him standing in front of a bulldozer.
0: Yes. Um, uh, John has it here. John's going to hopefully take some uh, some bits of it and maybe yeah, get and, some airtime uh, for poor old dad because he couldn't even he, promote it.
3: He, he rec- Well, he, that's right. You can't. But uh, I think he played Time a few times on the, on the show. But um, yeah, he recorded at um, Studio B uh, at the RCA Studios in Nashville with the Jordanaires, of course, who were the backup singers for many of Elvis's uh, albums and songs. So, yeah, he loved it. I mean, he loved it. But again, he's, you know, working five days a week.
0: Six? Uh, he works Saturdays, too.
3: Did he work Saturdays?
0: Yeah, he works Saturdays. Oh. He works six days a week. and then Six he- days a week? Yeah.
3: <laughs> I mean, it doesn't leave much time for anything, and that's where you're making yeah. making your money. So you know, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maybe that was his frustration. And maybe that's part of the reason why he just didn't suck it up and stay on WABC. But uh,
0: do you remember going in and visiting him on WABC?
3: Sure. Yeah. I remember sitting there and it was like, kind of like going into NASA, the space administration, (laughs) because it all had that gray.
2: Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like,
3: the gray look in these big panels, and uh, it was really cool. I mean, they had speakers as you walked down the hallway into the studio, and they were playing the show, and people were running around, and then they had something called teletype machines uh, in the newsroom, and they would be autonomous, just sitting there alone. And all of a sudden, (laughs) news And these breaking news stories would come over these teletypes on yellow rolled paper and somebody would rip it off and hand it to the news director. Um, And then you'd go into the studio and I'd sit there quietly and Murray would be sitting across from dad and then you have an engineer and then they had oh I don't know maybe six foot tall um, uh, round eight track cartridges of songs and the engineer would you know Murray would call out a song and the engineer would spin this thing and grab the eight track put it in there. It so was, it was really kind of cool it, to watch them. It was do eight this.
0: track. It was eight track when Dad was on.
3: Yes, eight it track wasn't vinyl. Cart. No, eight track carts. They were called all cartridges, and, and it was my brother song.
0: knew that word. Sue yeah. and I were thinking a cart. We were thinking of like a grocery a cart. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. no, they were called carts.
3: <laughs> okay. Okay. RTS carts, mm-hmm. yeah. and they'd slap them into this eight track, uh, which at the time was pretty high fidelity. Um, but they didn't. They didn't spin records, now.
1: Yeah. Were they doing the reel-to-reel stuff too? When they had to like slice it up right there and you know real time and like tape it all together?
3: I, that, I think was it that was later? all done in the back, John. I think yeah. that the carts just made everything so much easier. I mean they they could cue it up right, you know, pop it in, hit play, and the song would come on instantly. Mm-hmm. So it was all created pre-production somewhere in the studio, probably in the engineering room, where they would take the songs and put them on a cart.
1: So can I ask a question? Sure. Was your father's career a big role in you choosing to go into show business as well?
3: Oh, very much, yeah. I mean, as Carla can remember, I mean, Carla and, and Herb really didn't have any interest in it, but I think as far as I can remember, ha, (laughs) <laughs> would, yeah, okay.
0: I wait personally. one second. Wait, let's just stop this thought right here because I beg to differ. When mom and dad would go out to dinner, you would take every single lamp and turn it yeah, as a spotlight I say. I say. and I had to dance to listen to the rhythm of the falling rain. And I had to get down and you were the director and then dude had to do some sort of, or my brother Herb had to do some type of a tap dance so yeah
3: i would produce these little shows so when mom and dad got back they could see them but no, just, I you would have to
2: reenact them when they got home you couldn't record them right gonna, no yeah I'm,
3: I'm gonna put that <laughs> in the, by the way there was, ah, there was nothing to record them <laughs> right with, uh, yeah but, every uh, yeah, single so time I, but the funny thing is i never ever ever <laughs> would get out behind the sheet because i was too shy but i knew i wanted to go into show business and i that all started in high school when am i English teacher, Miss Russell Tuddy mm-hmm. uh, asked me to be in the play Oklahoma, the High School, the senior play. And uh, I did that and I got bit by the bug doing that play. And uh, then I didn't go to college. Uh, everybody went off to you know college after their senior year and I didn't quite know what to do, so I took a year off and went to a couple of local acting classes in Westport, Connecticut. And then a friend of mine, uh, his father was one of the presidents of ABC television, uh, Kevin O'Leary, and his father, and he showed me an ad in the New York Times. Uh, Believe it or not, back then, as high schoolers, even us read the New York Times. It's a sad comment today, but we did. And there was an ad for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts. And I asked dad, and dad was gracious enough to pay for my. Two years there. Yeah. And um, I ended up leaving the school yeah. six weeks before graduation because you were not allowed to audition while being a student. Well, of course I did and most kids did. And I was lucky enough to bag a contract roll on a soap opera Search for Tomorrow, which was my first gig. And I went into Mr. Cunningham and I said, hey, look, I got this job. And uh, he said, well... I'm sorry, you're going to have to leave the school. We said, no auditioning and no jobs. And uh, they never even included me or sent an invitation to the graduation. Of course, a couple of years later, after Dynasty became the number one show in the country, they put me in their advertising.
0: They, they wanted you <laughs> back. <But>, uh, <laughs> please come back. I'm sorry. <laughs>
3: but Dad was Dad was extremely... I mean, it was a kind of a... It was strange. <clears throat> I, you know, Dad was wonderful. I'm so happy that I had... I, you know, my father has a sounding board. Cause I'm sure you remember Carl. I would oh, call him
0: every day, twice a day, it's not about
3: every day, but certainly quite often. Yeah. And he yeah. would talk me down and I'd say, dad, you know, I reached oh out, man, I saw this Porsche. Oh my gosh, I got to buy this car. And he would talk me down. And if I had problems and he would always keep me with a level head where a lot of the kids on the show kind of were losing it. I mean, it's a, one it can never be prepared for losing one's anonymity yeah when you become yeah. a TV star suddenly and your show is number 1 in the country and number 1 in the world for that reason for that, for that. weren't they all and, at and your it wedding was, you know, it was good and it was it was difficult it was fantastic but uh, yeah thankfully i had a father who was in show business and then it got kind of odd for dad because i do it too I do it with my kids. I, My son, Philip, who I'm very proud of, spent 10 years in the Air Force Special Operations Command mm. Air Force, and he's an air traffic controller. And <laughs> whenever I'd see anybody in uniform, in an Air Force uniform, and Phil happened to be there, and I... Now, you know what? My son, Philip, here, he's in AFSOC, <laughs> and Phil with this, <registered. laughs> And I remember Dad doing that, and of course with Laura the same thing. Well, you know she won America's Next Top. My Dad, please. Yeah. Well, Dad would do the same thing. It, it makes it. I remember making it. Look, Dad. I just I don't want to talk about that right now. Yeah. What did she so, as
2: a as a parent? You can America's you can Next Top, top model.
3: Your sister did? No. no John's daughter. And John, as he daughter, looks okay. at me
2: saying my sister, like, you have a... No, what
0: happened, no, no, to, you? No, what
3: happened I, to you? I, I, I was, I was say just my trying sister, to... My daughter. No, no, no. No, 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 no I,
1: was just, I was just confused. I was confused. <laughs> John, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, but John... And she's an actress as well. Yeah,
0: she's an actress. And, um, yeah, she's just recently got married to John Ecker, who is also... I'm watching Narco, thanks to you. And John was the Leon in the first part of the the Narcos
1: Oh no, kidding! Oh.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I was, and I, I was like, "Oh my God, I know him," you know, and yeah. So I, It's I, a great series, right? Oh, I love that
1: series. Like season one was like the best. The I first, even
0: like season two. I'm almost done. It
1: it's not as good as the first. Not as good as the first seven episodes, though. I feel like. Yeah, well, I they're mean, they're amazing.
0: It was amazing, but so John, so uh, obviously, Dad loved to you know talk proudly about you as he should. But I have a, a picture in my mind of you. And my brother, Dude, who is Herb Oscar Anderson II, but I always called him Dude, um, with Mickey Mantle. And to me, you two kids look so like little angels standing there with Dad. Did Dad play in that game or something? Why would?
3: No, no, it was um, it. All the disc jockeys or most of the disc jockeys were there. It was WABC day at Shea Stadium at uh, Yankee Stadium with Shea Stadium. And uh, yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, is that my brother and I could care less about baseball. And um, so there's a great picture I have hanging here in my office, as a matter of fact, of Herb and I and Mickey Mantle with uh, each of us with a bottle of YooHoo in our hands. And I think I was more interested in the fact that we were in the dressing room where they had coolers full of YooHoo than meeting <laughs> Mickey Mantle. Because I think my brother and I probably had about five Yoo-Hoo's piece. <laughs> You
1: were, You were more impressed with the Yoo-Hoo's than the Mick.
3: Yeah. Correct.
1: Correct. Unbelievable.
3: I care less about the Mick, just get me the yoo <laughs> And um, yeah, I mean, we did a lot of cool things. We went to Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus yeah, at I, the I, Old I, Garden. And that was an early memory. That was before yeah. they tore down the original... I remember that.
0: I just remember the three rings. And as a kid, I was confused. I didn't know which one to look at. It was almost too much for me. There was three rings with three things going on. Dad
3: was also very much a renaissance kind of guy. And he was very, very uh, had great foresight. uh, foresight. Um, uh, He had this thing about, he knew change was coming and things would be very different. So For a number of years, John, we would take from Grand Central Station to Chicago to eventually get up to uh, Minneapolis, the Grand Central Limited, which was an overnight train to Chicago. And if you happen to watch uh, North by Northwest, the Cary Grant film, the opening of the picture, they're in the dining car cruising along the Hudson River. Well, the 20th century was one of the most famous trains of its time. you know linen dining linen on the dining in the dining car uh suites. and it was just fantastic way of travel and dad wanted us to experience that before it went away and of course it did and the other thing he did for us is every I think 4 years because we did two trips on the Queen Mary the original yeah. Queen Mary built in the late 20s and the Queen Elizabeth that was that's yeah. awesome that, that was the wow that <clears> throat> so throat> throat> i remember that and it was fantastic it was old world and dad said you know I want you to experience this before it goes away mm. and it was that old world style of travel that uh, that he wanted us to experience on the other hand he was also all into the interstate highway system where it was a battle because if you had to go to the bathroom it was always, we'll stop at the next stop. Yeah. Next exit. Next <laughs> exit. Next exit. Next exit. Next time. <laughs> Next one.
0: Dad, it's the biggest ball of twine. Okay, so there it is. You see it as you there drive is, by. There it. There it is, right he, there. The biggest, uh, the Corn Palace, Dad. The yeah. Corn Palace.
3: Dad, probably, yeah. He was he, he was a caricature of that '60s uh, Chevy Chase kind of interesting <laughs> highway. What kids? World? There's Big Ben, <laughs> Parliament.
0: Yeah, yeah, there it is. But I remember too. Do you remember going to see the um, Harlem? globetrotters
3: Harlem globetrotters that's right yeah, that
0: was and I remember Lennon. we that used to be on TV when the Harlem globetrotters played That oh, was a big event a oh big event. and I loved Meadowlark lark, metal Lennon. lark Lennon. and I met yeah. him and curly I loved mm-hmm. curly and I remember I think it was metal metal lark lemon that kept saying because I think the radio station was playing against them and he kept saying I've got the big guy I've got the big guy talking about my dad, that he was guarding my dad as they were playing this basketball game. Would your
2: dad go out on the court?
0: Yeah, they were out. I actually had his uniform that he wore for a long time. But he <laughs> he was guarded, I guess, by, am I correct, John, with Metal Mark Lemon?
3: Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, because dad
0: said he laughed. He said he kept saying, I've got the big guy. I've got the big guy. But, oh, yes, the Harlem Globetrotters. That, to me, was probably... The highlight for me, is, yeah, for me too, I is, mean, is meeting arc him, Metalark Lemon. A arc
3: lemon.
1: So, what year was this around? In the mid sixties, mid sixties, seventies, yeah, mid mid sixties, yeah.
0: yeah, because he was on WABC, so it would have been sixty Before to sixty eight, yeah, yeah. And I mean, oh my goodness, that was just—I just remember standing there, <laughs> this little kid with like a, the little brochure that you had, and just like, oh my goodness, that's Metalark Lemon, because they were so wonderful to watch. Mm-hmm. They were just. And every time they were on TV, you sat down and you oh, watched them. Yeah, I remember them. watching. Pretty much like when Dynasty was on, the house stopped. We all had to sit down in front of the TV and watch Dynasty.
2: How long was Dynasty yeah. on for?
3: Uh, we did 9 seasons almost.
0: And then you went to Colby's.
3: Well, I well, that's including the Colby's. So basically I I played that character uh for about 235 episodes,
0: but you know mm. what? I what I love about Dynasty and the Colbys, you worked with old Hollywood, mm. John Forsythe, Charlton Heston. Gosh. Um, what was her name? Joan well, uh, Collins. Joan, Joan Collins, Joan Collins. Lovely <laughs>
2: clapboard <laughs> sighting in Issac Falls, At Hooterville. What did she call uh, it? Ho- Hooterville,
3: <laughs> Hooterville. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I'll get back to that Joan story in a minute, but yeah, when I um. It's funny because I'm, I went out to Hollywood on a program that ABC started called the ABC Talent Search. It was the first year. Tom Hanks was on that, and he did Bosom Buddies. I did Dynasty. Oh, gosh, Lydia Cornell, Donna Mills, who ended up being married to, uh, for many years, Diane Aykroyd. Wasn't she
0: on Falcon Crest?
3: No. She, Flamingo uh, Road. Uh, she, uh, Donna Dixon. Donna Dixon, I'm sorry. She was married to Dan Aykroyd, and she was oh a
0: Bosom yeah. Buddies. Yes, yes, yes.
3: Uh, Arsenio Hall, just a number of, of, of very talented young actors. But I was on Dynasty and everybody else were doing sitcoms or younger shows. And so I would hang out uh, with essentially classic old Hollywood, John Forsythe, of course. Uh, Linda Evans, who yep. played Crystal, was a huge TV star from Big Valley. Uh, she was on Dynasty. Uh, Dale Robertson was on Dynasty. He was a big 50s Western TV star.
0: Diana oh, Carroll, huh. wasn't it? Right, yeah. Diana, Diana Carroll. Well,
3: Diane Carroll. I never worked with Diane because I was on the Colbys. But on the uh-huh. Colbys, I had Charlton Heston, uh, Barbara Stanwyck, one of the wow. greatest yeah. of all time. Heather Locklear. Heather, Heather Locklear, of course. Yeah. Jeez. Catherine Ross, yeah, who played my mother. Um, uh, Ricardo Montalbán. I worked with on on the Colbys. It was it was incredible, and I remember going to Nolan Miller's house. And um, designer,
0: the dress designer or a costume he was, designer. He really? was a
3: costume designer for ladies and men, too, but mostly very famous. And he was the costume designer that Aaron Spelling used for all of our shows. And he was having a party and I walked over and there's Ginger Rogers. Oh, wow. Um, sitting on the couch with Barbara Stanwyck and Esther Williams.
2: Oh,
0: Esther the Williams.
3: The biggest stars from the 40s in Hollywood sitting on the couch and Barbara. Calls me over, and they all three of them were pretty much in their cups and pretty tipsy. And Barbara sat me down, and she said, "Let me give you some advice, John. What's that, Barbara?" She said, "Whatever happens in this town, don't let them eff you." That's <laughs> a great piece of advice. <laughs> I said, "But that's yeah." She and seemed I, pretty
0: tough. She seemed like she <laughs> took no prisoners that one. That's incredible. She,
3: she was tough, and uh, then I went to the um, Night of a Hundred Stars, which. Was in denver for children's diabetes out in denver colorado because a guy by the name of marvin davis who was a billionaire oilman had invited a hundred stars to come out and raise money at this huge gala in the convention center they made raised millions and i remember i called mom at the time from an airplane this is back in the mm. mid uh, what is this i don't know 87 maybe and we got into a private john forsyth and i went together and uh, we rode out to the airport, and there's a private jet sitting there. And I walk in with John, and in the plane is Cary Grant. Oh, Bradley,
0: oh my God! Are you kidding? I didn't renew. Jimmy, Jimmy Stewart. Oh, my two favorites.
3: Um, and uh, Robert Wagner. Oh, and oh yeah. So I said I called mom. I said, "Can I use this phone?" <laughs> sure.
2: I have to call my mother.
3: <laughs> I said, "Hey, mom." She said, "Hey, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm at uh, 38,000 feet right now, over somewhere over Arizona, uh, over Utah." She said, "What?" I said, "Yeah, I'm in a private plane with Brad McMurray, Jimmy Stewart, Robert Wagner, Cary Grant, John Force. And she said, "Oh my God, yeah." So I had, I had a blessed career. I That's didn't know wild.
0: So, so How was, Car- yeah, was Cary? Yeah, was Cary Grant and Jimmy Stewart nice guys? They seem like oh great, great yeah. guys. Oh, I remember
3: I- Jimmy Stewart when we were checking into the hotel. He was. Now you, you sure? Now I'm I'm going. You know, I'll pay for all my incident, incidentals. <laughs> you know, he to, just to seemed
0: me. like such a nice guy. So yeah, I've got a couple. Of,
1: I have two questions. Um, sure. Please do not be offended. Now I'm 42. Okay, right. um, I did not watch Dynasty. It just wasn't on in my household. My mom might have, but I didn't watch it. Um,
3: well, you would have been you would have been zero by the time <laughs> you went on the air.
1: Well, you're 81, <laughs> right? I mean, 80, but but like you were there for <laughs> all of it, right? 81. Yeah. So, I mean, I was definitely watching TV in the in the late 80s. Um, so, two questions. One is, and this is this is going to sound silly because I didn't watch the show. If I watched the show, I would know this for sure. Tell me, you had some kind of romance scenes with Heather Locklear?
2: No. Uh,
3: Negative. No. Oh, Heather. Was she way too young for you at that point?
0: Heather Locklear. You did. Heather
3: Locklear. Heather. Lo- I'll tell you just John just to make you jealous and how stupid I am um when I first came out to California my agent um, uh, represented Tom Cruise at the time and me and of course my best friend Patrick saint who's one of the stars on a current TV series called SWAT okay and um I remember <laughs> I remember Tommy talking about Heather Locklear and uh, I said oh Okay. Um, yeah, I can introduce you to her. And Tommy was nobody at the time.
0: This is Tom Cruise you're talking
3: about. Yes. And uh, my agent said, Well, you know, she's a pretty girl, John. I said, Come on. She's way too young for me. And she was 19 at the time. And I think I was 22. <laughs> oh. <laughs> The, the but thawed. I did. Yeah, I did end up. we were very close. We worked quite a bit together. And I did. I remember the first year she really didn't do well on the show. She was a little
1: too green. Sammy Joe.
3: Sammy Joe. Mm-hmm. Sammy
1: Joe. Yeah. Dean Carrington. Who was and oh, they, didn't, 120, invite the they didn't invite her to the rap party. 128
3: episodes later. Yeah, was, they um, did not invite her to the rap party. Wow. Which I thought was an insult. So I took her. I said, come on, Heather, you could be my... My date, so we went out, but lovely girl.
1: That didn't that didn't like you, you you pulling the card and getting her into the party didn't 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 uh get you in better position today. She's just too young
3: for John. She's just too young
1: for me. I get you. All right, all right, I get it. Now my other question, uh TV show that I did watch. Uh oh. Um didn't get into it until the early nineties, because it was rerun on USA, was Airwolf. Oh, yeah. So did you um, interact with uh, J. Michael Vincent or Ernest Borgnine well, at all? You know, I
3: mean, it's a small town Hollywood, especially f- for people who work. There's not many people. <laughs> really, <laughs> isn't maybe 500 actors who actually work in television, or mm-hmm. if that. So it's a very small, close-knit community. Um, yeah. All I heard was how messed up the set was.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the time, he was the he was the highest paid evening, you know, primetime actor. I think yeah, on the planet. And he was
3: also he was also just and he was banged
1: paid. up on drugs and alcohol. Yeah. Okay,
0: so Sue and I are looking at each other, shrugging our shoulders. What was this this whole show? Oh,
1: Airwolf was a is a it's kind of like in the Night Rider um oh, kind of okay. category. Okay, and it was this helicopter that was this government helicopter that got in stolen away. Board nine and Jim Michael Vincent hit it in this mountain. I think
3: I don't know if he's still alive. No, he, he
1: passed away a couple years ago.
3: Who, Ernest Barton?
1: No, Borden and I passed away too. But um, Vincent, Jim Michael Vincent, he got in a bad car accident. Got really the last yeah. time I saw him was on an Entertainment Tonight interview, I think, and yeah, he had lost a limb at that point. Oh. He um, lost his he was, teeth. He I mean, lost he lost he, he, he But was, he was a heartthrob. That guy was like the guy yeah, for a long
3: time. Yeah, oh I'm looking. Yeah, alive. very sad. I mean, Hollywood does that, you know. Chews you up equalize. and
0: spit spit you out. Oh, okay, yeah. I, was on, I, I, I had to equalize with Dad,
3: who would keep me in 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 line.
0: Yeah, well, you but know, a
3: lot of people don't, and uh, they start to believe everything they read and hear about them, and it's a uh, it's a very tough town.
0: Well, I think it was interesting. I think you were on TV when TV was at its height. You you know, you had ABC, NBC, CBS, and public television, and that was it. Uh nowadays, it. You had, well, you like, had your lo-
3: you had your local stations, yeah, but still
0: like, you only uh, had three stations, and everybody knew who everybody was. If you were on a television show, everybody knew, oh my God, that's John James's sister or that's the yeah. and well, nowadays we got, can- well, we got
3: cancelled in nineteen eighty nine with an audience of twenty nine million people, oh man but it, it, but,
0: to- but today, nowadays,
2: I don't know anybody. But what would replace it? So, like, if you look at TV now, like, I remember back then, when was it on Wednesday? I used to watch yeah. Dynasty. Yeah. The <laughs> nine, nine, nine yeah. o'clock Wednesday or nine o'clock Thursday or whatever. Uh, yeah. But every week you would tune in. Right. Yeah. I mean, and now or and the nuts landing was on. Yeah. In Dallas. Yeah. But now it's like there's nothing to tune into. Like, I watch Jeopardy every night well, because so it's different the only thing I do because, consistently uh, <laughs> is watch Jeopardy. That's But, but, no, but there's mean, nothing else know, to tune into. You know, it's like now you can watch it whenever you want. You can watch the whole season. You can watch it, which is really great. But also, it's sort of sad because there's really no routine left anymore. You know, we used to, you used to be excited to wait. Next yeah. next Wednesday was the next episode, you right. know, and you'd and, watch well,
0: it. And every fall, it was like the new yeah, season of Dynasty was mm-hmm. starting. But the and, cliffhanger. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The Moldavian massacre. Wasn't that your one of your cliffhangers john
3: oh yeah well it's funny because the goldbergs Mm -hmm. uh, and another series i forget the name of it but it's like nbc's number one show it's a sitcom taking place in the 80s -hmm. and (laughs) they paid us all of us for that moldavian clip yeah and it takes place in the 80s and it's so funny because um uh, they had a vhs machine it's the opening of the show and and she sits down, she's making her popcorn and she sits down and she takes the VHS cassette and it says, do not tape over. She puts it into the <laughs> machine and there's the opening credits of Dynasty and I'm sitting there and Joan sitting there and John Forsythe sitting there. And the next thing you know, the channel switches to the Pirates game. <laughs> game. That's the opening of the show. And in the Goldbergs, another series on, still on, on I don't know what network. Had a whole thing about the mother, but what's interesting? A couple, I think, a year and a half ago, I did a film called uh, "My Son Hunter," where I played Joe Biden.
1: I was just looking at that right now. Yeah,
3: and uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was. We shot in um, Belgrade, Serbia, uh, because a lot of the film takes place in the Ukraine. So we needed uh, Greek Orthodox churches, and we needed the Gothic, you know, the East European look, and of course, it's much less expensive to shoot over in in places like czechoslovakia and uh, serbia but anyway when i arrived and it was a beautiful hotel called the metropole uh, metropole hotel the number one hotel in serbia i get out of the car and of course you know it's jet lag uh, long flight and i get out and it there's the hotel manager and the assistant manager and the concierge standing at the front And it was as if I was Joe, the real Joe Biden. (laughs) And I come in and he was just, my gosh, we are so, so pleased to have you here. Oh, I, when I was growing up dynasty, I watched all the time with my parents. We go in, I go to my room and there are three maids standing there at attention in my room, making sure that if there's anything I need, I will be there. But it turns out, that it was yugoslavia at the time the dynasty was on and it was playing in yugoslavia and i heard that since they didn't have vhs's certainly they weren't prevalent in yugoslavia at the time it was a russian bloc country um the streets would be empty on the night it appeared Mm -hmm. and people would just not venture out and the real kicker for this is we were filming at a location that was this massive massive estate and um the production manager came up to me and said do you know that uh, the series dynasty was shooting here i said what she said yeah serbian television has licensed every episode and they're reshooting the original scripts from day one right through to the end and redoing it and she said would you like to meet the young actor who plays jeff and I said, what? Sure. So the next day he came out with the girl who played, actress who played Fallon. And uh, I said, you know, i got to tell you something. 40 years ago, 40 years ago, I was in your shoes, standing in San Francisco, shooting the pilot for Dynasty. And here I am in Serbia. And you're recreating my role. And it was just, the, it was just amazing to think that, uh, that the show over the years had that kind of uh, impact, I should say.
0: Well, they also didn't, they here do a dynasty over here as well?
3: Oh, they, well. With the woke I even, dynasty? I, uh, I wouldn't even consider that now. Yeah. The only reason it continued on for five years is because Netflix, it was very popular overseas. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, I think their audience here locally was about 200,000. Mm. It was the lowest rated drama.
2: But your teenagers. version of Dynasty was very popular in Europe as well, right? Yeah, huge, oh, huge, huge. Yeah,
3: Das Denver clan in Germany, England. Yeah. I think we were in nine, no, seventy countries maybe <laughs> around the world, in territories.
1: You actually <laughs> won an award in Europe, didn't you? And you won some kind of a. What was your What was your award you got over in the Was it in Germany?
3: Oh, I don't know. I got a number of different awards. I don't even remember. I'll tell
1: you which one it was. <laughs> Bravo, Otto yes i think yep
3: that one it. was that one was whatever familiar. that is i won it in 80 in
1: 1983 uh favorite tv star male you won that got second place in 84 for uh favorite tv star male second place and you were nominated also, in 85
3: John, um, i had a top 10 hit yes oh
1: in german in, in you sang power. it you yeah. sang it auf deutsch
3: uh, yeah, Heidi Bruhl, Heidi Bruhl, it's interesting. Heidi Bruhl was sort of the Shirley Temple when she was growing up. And she was in her 40s when I, I recorded with her and we had a duet. And then I did a single. And I remember driving with her. And we were, of course, in Western Germany, because East Germany, there was a wall. hmm at that time and I said do you think ever think that Germany will be reunited and she said never and uh a couple of years later the wall came down
1: yeah no kidding so did you now did you have to learn the German words for that song or did you speak German because you spoke German just now I mean so that was that was
3: I hate to tell you this I just when did I go Carla last into last year a couple of four months ago went to uh, Mendocino, no, oh, Mendocino. okay, yeah, Macedonia, Macedonia, right? yes, yeah,
0: Macedonia. Mendocino's
3: in California,
0: Macedonia, the country, Macedonia, which is Maced- yeah. yeah,
3: which is about- on the Greek, Greek, just north of Greece, to shoot the, oh, because of dynasty a Turkish production called Anaturk about the first president. It's a, a Disney Plus special for Turkey mm. on the on the 100th 100th anniversary of the of of turkey becoming uh a more western country and he was their first president and i got this job to play a german a prussian because it was first world war Mm -hmm. around that period and to play a prussian and i had to do my entire role in german
0: yeah. So how so do you, you learn had,
1: so You had to learn it, or you just had to learn the words you had. to I, know? I had to learn it,
3: and my I had my agent overseas put me in touch with a fellow who is um, from Croatia, living in Germany, who speaks fluent German, and we would do Zoom calls, and uh, he would help me with my German, and uh, yeah, it was great. I I flew over, and and I literally worked. It was one scene that I did, uh, <laughs> flew me all the way across, halfway across the world for one scene, it was crazy.
2: So I have a question. So if you were not doing what you're doing or what you had done, what would you have done? Would you
3: have I, wanted to I think to sing probably uh, right after I left the soap opera and I didn't have a job. And before I got hired by ABC for that talent search, I was thinking about going into advertising. That would have been uh, something I would have liked to have done. You still can. I still may have to. May. <laughs> would, would you ever want to
2: just sing? I mean...
3: Sing? No. 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 I mean, I, listen, I've done a lot of musicals. Mm-hmm. I did some singing.
1: Is there a video for that for that song you guys did for that hit? Is There's there a music Heidi video? Heidi Brühl? No. Yes. It's called
3: John James Sings. Look it up and I'm on I'm looking at German. it right now. I'm going to sing. And hey, I hey,
0: remember when I was in Germany... I met these people in Peru, wonderful people, and they invited me to come over to Germany. And I was, uh, for some reason, the name Heidi Bruhl popped into my head. And I looked it up on their computer, and sure enough, they were in awe that John was singing with Heidi Bruhl, and they okay. knew John and through dynasty. Yeah. And they knew he yeah. was your brother. Yeah, So, But I thought it was neat. You were, like, like I was saying before, you were on the, like TV then was huge. Everybody, you know, had TV. And Dad, I think, was sort of in the golden age of radio in the 60s at, at that time and you both were he was wabc and you were on abc which i thought was a sort of neat both of mm-hmm. you were on that same station together
3: yeah it's um some of the executives that dad knew um from abc television uh, he knew very well they moved on a radio
2: mm-hmm.
3: and um Yeah, it was it was weird. I mean, working for the same company and he knew a lot of the people.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was you. Both of you guys had, I think, a really unbelievable experience. I don't think, as as watered down as television is, um, I don't think there'll ever be stars. Like, like your kind of stars like that time like your kind of stars where everybody even if you didn't watch the shows they knew who you were sure. and uh it, or even just the name recognition because i know it was a big thing between dallas and dynasty mm-hmm. you know of course we were in the dynasty camp i don't think i ever really watched a, da- a dallas no i just you know it was dynasty I like dynasty yeah and i did like Knots landing i didn't i never that was good i didn't watch that one only
1: Dynasty. See, right now, I'm shrugging my shoulders because so I didn't want <laughs> any of these. We're, well, we're even. Uh,
0: <laughs> but it was different. It, you know, it, just, it, there's just seems like there's just too much choice. I, I don't even know who these people are that I'm watching on Netflix or anything like that. I have no name, face, recognition. Um,
2: I, I don't, I don't. I, there's almost too many. It is. There's you just know, too I much. I think back Like you were talking, I guess John just said maybe there were 500 actors that really yeah. were. Working, yeah. working, or n- noticeable, or n- known by name, but now there's just so many that
3: you have well, to. Well, we thought, you know, listen, <laughs> we used to laugh in the makeup room when we heard that there was going to be a twenty-four hour weather channel and a twenty-four hour news channel called CNN. And we thought, <laughs> oh, that who's going to watch twenty-four hours of news? Uh-oh. So, and then they said, oh, it's going to be great, and it fractured the market. Yeah, there's so much so much product and so much to watch that, um, yeah, it's just entirely different game. And now kids or younger kids, they don't even watch televisions. Uh, you know, it's all TikTok I think all it's, I
0: think like it's it. going to come back. I think, I think it's going to be found like the LPs have been found. I remember when you and Murray came into the house one day, I don't know where we were living, but you and Murray were having this big discussion about CDs and you were talking about, you know, this is the way, this is what is going to happen. Uh, you know, and I remember you guys had like a CD in your hand and I was just, you know, we grew up with 45s and LPs. So I was like, wow, this is sort of neat. But now, John, right? John, pod John, not my brother, John, but now <laughs> vinyl is coming back.
2: Vinyl is, uh, yeah. it's well, cassettes. Also, they say a lot of People now they're coming they want to they, they think they think they're looking at a cassette going I can record this song this is crazy because they were never alive when we used to do it right so now they're it's becoming trendy to yeah. take and record a song
1: listen I mean but then the, I don't know
2: what they're going to play it on because it
1: really well, certain if, certain cassettes from back in the 80s and 70s especially are worth money I mean they the resale value on especially on on like the 1990s old rap tapes and that kind of stuff go for hundreds of dollars same with the with the metal bands depending on who it is they they just like vinyl, I mean, there was only so much of it made. We should have right saved now.
3: all those records.
0: Oh, you got to tell that. Instead of
3: turning them into frisbees. Yes,
0: well, I think we'll end with this story because I, I think, I think it's a great story. I didn't have that written down on my notes, so yeah, take us out with that one.
3: Well, it wasn't payola, certainly, and Dad was not paid to listen, but. Record companies wanted to promote their products, so every day in the mail, not every day, but I'd say at least three times a week, there would be, we knew what it was, It would be albums from RCA, from MGM, Capitol Records, (laughs) that would show up in the mail, and we'd have stacks of these, and there's no way we could have listened to them all. So my brother, Herb, and I, they would make tremendous frisbees, almost (laughs) like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> almost like those olympian discs
1: sure yeah discs. yeah the discus <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> and those things would fly and i think about it today and i go and i go into nashville like i was the other day and i went into a souvenir shop and albums were 29 30 dollars for pressed vinyl thinking of all the stuff but uh yeah v- vinyl's making a comeback and uh, and
0: you just threw them all away as Frisbees. <laughs>
3: oh, <boy. laughs> That's
0: great. Well, John, thanks so much. I appreciate your time and, and coming on the <laughs> air and and telling us your stories because, uh, you know, it, we all have our different stories of dad, but I, I'm i glad to hear that you and I both think the ones, uh, the funny ones, especially uh, we both feel the same about. So I love you and, and thank you so much for coming and doing this. I
3: love you too, Carla and Sue and John and everybody and Good luck with the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And keeping our fingers crossed that maybe we can somehow get somebody interested in the, the movie. Hello again. So thanks, oh, I John. I you will. Thank You're
3: you. All right,
2: guys. Oh, we got to do the happy feeling. One more time. Do you remember? <laughs> all right, let's do it, everybody. One more time.
3: When I was a little feller, my papa
1: used to say to me, son,
3: you'll find that happy feeling a simple technicality.
1: Now that you can... Thanks again for listening to the Return of the Morning Mayor podcast. If you're hearing my voice right now, there's a good chance you want to hear more about HOA. The story of the man behind The Morning Mayor is one that certainly needs to be told, and a goal is to have this story made into a movie. The script is written, and your support will help us get to the next level. If you feel motivated to do so, click the Donate button in the About section. All proceeds will go towards seeing the story of Herbert Oscar Anderson on the big screen. Goodbye, God bless, and I thank you so very much.